Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Awesome work, pray. So Ben starts praying and if you've heard Ben pray, he can pray. He starts praying and his brother's in the back. And Ben's praying, he doesn't care. He's praying, hey God. He didn't say that, I said that. He said, Father God. I want, I want to play drums. He even said it'll be good for my concentration. And um, so we went to church, and uh, I want my kids to know God. Not because of the church, primarily because of my love for God. So we go to church. I'm sitting in church, and Mr. Phillips is preaching, kind of like a seven, seven and a half. Out of, and, um, and I get a message from someone from this community who's just left to go to Ireland name's Jaden, who said, I don't want to sell my drum set, but we're going for three years. Do you know anyone who could use it? And now I didn't want to abuse my position as pastor in that thing, but I assumed it was God. I said, hey, Jaden, actually my boy's praying to learn drums. If you'd be open to that, we'd look after it. And God answers prayer in so many amazing ways. One, it's an electric drum set. No one can hear it. It's amazing. Miracle. But secondly, my boy gets to see that there's a father who's unbelievably good. And it's not about my hands and my, but it's actually about who God is greater than dad. And I got to take the drum kit home. I said, boy, remember you prayed? And Judah was like, yo, dad, we prayed. I said, I know, boy, because there's a father in heaven who wants your faith and your prayers to move mountains. And God's calling us to bigger stories but, but one of the things I've realized, and I'm hearing the language since the faith conference, and as we preach, one of the undeniable realities of Jesus, wherever he goes, is he heals people. What do you do with that one? Have we navigated? And what I've realized is people don't have a grid for it. So what happens is, is experience, either seeing healing or not seeing healing, becomes the reality. I want to speak today about healing, our position, our posture, and our price. I want to try in 30 minutes, give you a grid to be able to navigate this thing of healing because the church sits in many different places. One, it's like, no, some preacher laid hands and, that, and, and so you must get healed. And if you don't get healed, people live under this bondage of I didn't have enough faith. On the other side, most of us live in the posture, well, I, I believe in healing because the Bible says it, so I have to, but I'm just going to stay here because I'm really comfortable here because here I don't need courage. Here I can't fail. So this morning, I want to help us navigate some of those things. And our positions are determined. And, and in this room, there are probably skeptics. There are disillusioned. There are disappointment. There are those that are encouraged and on the front foot and taking a hold of, saying, actually, sign me up for other healing. Oaks, other oaks are like, sign me up. I'll probably not be there. That's okay. But we have to go on a journey. And part of Move the Mountains is God taking us on a journey. And here's the thing. Maybe you say, well, I haven't really worked my theology on healing yet. So I'm not sure what I believe. No, I'm telling you. You know what you believe, you just don't know why. And doing theology is not about getting a whole bunch of handles on how to do Christianity. Doing theology is learning who is God. See, even healing doesn't rest on what does the Bible say about healing. It first rests on who is God. And who does God say he is? Not who do I think God is in my experience and my story and the limitations of my story. Because if my understanding of God as healer, because I don't know what songs you sang this morning, but we sang about God the healer. If, my understand, if I were to go in my experience, I would be schizophrenic right now because I've laid hands on the deaf 
and the diabetes insulin dependent and those with other issues and they've got healed. I was more shocked than them sometimes. And then I've laid hands on the dead and dying and sometimes the dead. And I've trusted God to do amazing things and nothing happened. Do I live like this guy who thinks one thing of God? Do I live like this guy who thinks another thing of God? Or do I go what God says about God? And I'm telling you, God's got to get a hold of us because faith is not about, faith is not, hey, uh, Joshua, the giants in there. No, I can't see them. They're not real. We need to go. Come with me. And poof, walks into a tree. We need to go. Faith is not about covering our eyes and hoping we don't know what's going on and actually not educating ourselves around who God says. Blind faith. No, it's not that. Faith is knowing that they're giants in there and still choosing to go. And in this territory, there's some giants. And God's asking us right now in this room, some people are sick. In that room I preached, some people lost people last year. There's a family in our church who have helped me redeem this area by the way they've walked a journey of loss. The Fun Rain family. I did their daughter's wedding two and a half years ago. And then I did her funeral two, six, four months ago. And I watched this family navigate a journey of complete faith that God is a healer, God is mighty. To the point that when I got the phone call that she had passed, I walked in the room, it was just the husband and the son. I said, what do you want me to do, but? And the husband said, pray that she would be raised from the dead. I said, I'll do that. And we prayed with faith. I didn't give a hoot was in that ICU room. I couldn't care what doctor was watching me. I couldn't care what nurse was watching me because I was calling on my God. And then there was a moment. I said, hey, guys, she's with Jesus. Now we rejoice. Because we don't get eternity. We really struggle with eternity. We really struggle with death, actually. So healing becomes an issue. And God calls us into a bigger story. And one of the biggest things is we don't know. We ask the question. We love to ask the question, why? I've got three kids. Boy, go clean your room. Why? Bong. Wrong question. It's not why. But I want to present potential five sources that the Bible presents of sickness. Now, this needs a whole bunch of teaching and a whole bunch more time, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. First of all, the fall. Right at the beginning of the Bible, there's the fall. Adam and Eve sin, and the Bible, and God says, actually, there's going to be pain. There's going to be sickness. You're going to go into the desert. There's going to be a journey. Right up front, God says, guys, I'm not hiding from There's going to be this journey. Source of sickness, one, the fall. Source of sickness, number, sickness, number two, foolish living. Oh, God is great. God's amazing. I'm going to live to 130, but I'm going to drink Coke 12 liters a day. <laughs> Ivor. I, 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 sorry? It's not aimed at anyone here who might have done that in their young 20s. But foolish living. I, I'm going to disregard every bit of wisdom out there about how I can look after this that God has given me, and I'm just going to carry on. No, no, no. But uh, eventually you'll, you can drive yourself like that. Actually, foolish living, actually even lack of wisdom, pollution will eventually kill people in our world on a zooming out macro level. Third of all, Satan, or more commonly known where I'm from as Satan, <laughs> or the devil. He's real. Bible speaks about him. Bible says he's actually got power in this time as well. And actually Jesus speaking about a woman says, in, in Luke 13 says, then this woman, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day? 
Oh, Satan can keep people bound. Yes, Satan can do that. And Jesus breaks in. And actually, Jesus speaks in Acts 10 and says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So the Bible says, not me, not Mark, not my, the Bible says there are some people, and it's possible people are under the power of the devil. I'm not saying every time it's foolish living. I'm not saying every time it's the fall. I'm not saying every time it's the devil. I'm just telling you what the Bible says are the possibilities. Fourth, specific sin. We see David, he falls morally. He falls into an adulterous relationship, and a man gets killed because of it. And obviously, what comes in? Stress about the loss. Stress about the reality of the situation. Stress breaks, and he says, actually, sick, Psalm 32. I'm not surprised we live in a world where stress-related illnesses is almost everything. And everyone shouting, every time I meet another businessman in his late 40s to early 50s, you need to pull your stress down. It's going to kill you. Met a man yesterday, had to move, leave his city to move to a small town in Wellington. Otherwise, he, his doctor said, you will die. But actually, the, uh, uh, King David, there are other examples. Because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, Acts 12, and he was eaten by worms and died. Specific sin. Again, wrong question, why am I sick? Now, if there are clarity, then wisdom breaks and you need to make changes to your life, then do that. That's just called discipleship. That's called being like Jesus. But in the area of sickness, and then the last one that you're going to struggle with, maybe, depending on what you're teaching, is actually from God. And I would say, first of all, actively instigated. It's PJ Smart's language. It says God actively instigated. So how did God set his people free in Exodus? Oh, boom, boils. I love waking up in the morning with a good boil on my butt. No. God gave boils. Some of you are like, I can see who's had boils in the room. And, um, and, but tumors on Ashdod. And, and, and even David writes in Psalm 119, in your goodness you have afflicted me with sickness. Who's he writing to? In your goodness. Who's David? A guy described as having a heart after God. God's greatest leader had a revelation that actually God's goodness doesn't leave him. And then there's another wing of uh, potentially actively permitted. So God is always active. He's always in the story, actively permitting. What happened to Job? Satan comes to God and says, God, I want to afflict Job. And God says, you can, but only to a point. He's still my boy. Now, that point was far further than I would ever want to go, but God knew best and took his, jo- his son and others on a journey. Even Paul, Paul, this apostle, oh, Paul, you're a man of faith. You call people to faith. Surely you shouldn't be sick. And yet Paul is the guy who has this sickness in 1 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians 12, and actually he describes as, it's described as a messenger of Satan. <laughs> Comforting. Completely. Why? Because God is always involved. He is good. I choose to believe him. And my job is not to work out why. We struggle with why. See, there's this journey God takes Job on. And I want to jump to that scripture now, actually, if I can find it. And um, he takes his, this man, Job, on a journey. And in Job 38, the story is, and the Lord is speaking to Job. And Job, God says to him, who is it that obscures my plans with words and knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. 
What's he saying? You're a man, and I art God. Then he carries on and says, I will question you, and you shall answer me. We keep thinking God has to answer us. God takes Job on this journey and says, actually, I'm God, and you're going to answer me. He says to him, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Just where were you when God made the world? How were you doing? What were you doing? Hanging out? Where, where were you when God formed your parents? Where were you when he put the stars in the sky? Where were you when he put a mountain and he said, I'm going to make table mountain? Where were you? Oh, but God, you've got to tell me. No, I'm man. And the greatest privilege I have and the greatest prize in my life is a relationship with Jesus. Who says, you can trust me. He said, I've got to teach my kids to know him. Because this world's not going to do that. Religion's not going to do that. Church services aren't going to do that. The greatest privilege I have in my life is teaching them to know him. And I want to encourage us along some of this journey because I think it's a hard journey for many. Why? Because healing and a, a theology and a position on healing gets real when someone close to us gets sick. See, I had the guts ripped out of me 10 years ago, 2008. As a young boy, I had faith would get healed from cancer of the brain. I spent three weeks in Interbeni Hospital, ICU. I was one of the last four people to pray for him. His head was this big. It ripped the guts out of me. Because I was young. Because I needed to go on a journey with Jesus. See, I knew God was good and I knew he was kind. But I had to believe this young boy wouldn't die. You know what I responded? I responded by kicking back into a posture of not pushing in. What do I do the same now that my wife's been sick for 18 months? What do I do now? Do I choose my experience or do I choose who God says he is? Who do you choose today? Don't choose healing or non-healing. Don't choose that. Choose God or not God. Those are our options. And... Um, these five, are, we are obsessed with the why and the what. But is that the journey the Bible calls us to? No, the Bible calls us to a journey to be focused on and to fix our gaze on what? Not the why, the what, but the who. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So who is God? He's a healer. So what does that mean? Well, it's supernatural. So God does use doctors, and if you're a doctor in the room and you know doctors, God used medication, and I'm really grateful for that. But God's also revealed himself as a healer. So how do we navigate this story? Because in the Old Testament, Exodus 15, there's water. The people are grumpy because the water's sour, and God breaks, and he turns the water into good water. And then the Lord says, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. Oh, God brought disease. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha, the healer, your healer. The healer of the world. So God reveals himself, and there are multiple scriptures in the Old Testament where God reveals himself as healer. And then we jump into the New Testament, and there's this guy, Jesus. I love this guy, Jesus, because everywhere he goes, he touches, he loves, he has compassion, he breaks out, and he reveals the kingdom of heaven in earth, and people get healed. 37 miracles recorded. How many we don't know of? Recorded, and Jesus walks, and he keeps calling them into the story, and I love it when he says, actually, he's walking, he had compassion on them. 
This is Jesus. He breaks into the story. Yes, Jesus, Mark. So I believe because I love Isaiah 53, and Isaiah 53 finishes with this amazing line, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Yes, Easter. This is where Easter is about. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. It says it was the Father's will to crush him. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Thank you, Jesus. By his wounds we are healed. Mark, the Bible says we are always healed by his wounds. What is healing, friend? What's healing? What does the Bible say is the number one healing this world needs? Salvation. A way to the Father. It's the number one thing. Jesus came not to heal people. He came so that they might see the Father and enter a relationship of eternal love and eternity. Yes, healing. But what about physical, emotional, mental? Yes, those two. We have access. But here's how I would position, because I called it our position. I do not believe. I believe that because of his stripes, we are automatically pulled into salvation healing. 100%. I do not vacillate on it. I have no doubt in my heart or mind at all. But I do not believe that physical healing is an automatic given because of the cross. Why? Because there's another grid Jesus gave us. There's another grid that I mentioned three minutes ago. And you kind of hear it often, but you're not quite sure. It's called the kingdom of God. Jesus comes back. He comes back from heaven to earth for 40 days. He's got 40 days to sit with his dudes. He says, guys, I've got to tell you the most important stuff. Gather around. Come, come, come. And for 40 days, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, he speaks about the kingdom of God. Not healing, not prosperity, not hashtag blessed, the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's really important because it's really big. It's about where God rules and reigns, where its authority is. And he says, it's not of this world. The kingdom of God is different to the kingdom of this world. I've got to tell you about the kingdom of God. And he tells him about the kingdom of God. And he explains through his word and through his life. And we see he keeps walking in Luke 12. He's walking and he says, actually, sorry, I know we're using a million scriptures today, but I'm trying to get a, 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 a message into us. He's in, in Luke 9, so he sends him, he says, he gave them, when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases, and he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What do you do with that, Mark? No, well, Jesus comes to it. He says, actually, the kingdom is here. I am here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is accessible now. Great truth. Hold on to it. But understand this, that throughout theology and in the Bible, there are these truths and tension. And there's another truth that is just as real. When Jesus says, actually, the kingdom of God is amazing. It's awesome. And he says even, he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will be given an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There's this speak of the kingdom of God. And he comes back and he speaks the kingdom of God for 40 days. But there are other perspectives that Jesus comes and says, actually, in Luke 22, he says, you are those who have stayed with me in my trial, speaking to the disciples, the same guys, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What's he talking about? Well, Revelations 12 takes us there. What he's talking about, sorry. I know we're normally good at preaching from one scripture, but this is a big picture. This is a zoom out moment. In Revelations 12, saying this, John writes, he said, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now you have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God. Now. When's now? When he's talking about. 
and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who's the accuser? Satan, Satan, the devil. For who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. This is a prophecy of a time to come. When the end of time will come. This is a prophecy when the fullness of the kingdom of God will come. And we live in the in-between age. It's like that awkward age. I was a very awkward teenager. Very awkward. Thank you. We have that in common, I guess. And um, a very awkward teenager. And it's an awkward time of life. This time now, in the time that Jesus said the kingdom of God has come and the kingdom of God is fully coming, when let me tell you, the Bible says there will be no sickness, there will be no pain, there will be no shame. The kingdom of God is here in full. We are stuck in between. And the only currency on which we operate is what? All we have is faith. That which we don't see. That which we don't know. That which we don't have the answers to why. I don't have all the answers to why. My job as a preacher is not to have answers to why. My job as a preacher is to keep telling them the prize is Jesus. So that takes us on to our number two point, and these are going to be much quicker. All of that, my position, my belief, and we've said it many times before, our orthodoxy leads to our orthopraxy. Our beliefs lead to how we live our life. My belief that God is a healer, God is good, God wants to heal, and he wants us to partner in faith, but ultimately it's in his hands. My belief doesn't throw me back on the book, back foot, go, well, why pray then? Now, every night, every night I walk through to my boy's bedroom, and I lay hands on my little Ben, who's facing challenge after challenge. I say, God, this is your son, and I declare the promises of heaven over him. And I don't live with guilt and shame if we don't see the healing today or tomorrow. I live with a passion and a growing, increasing knowledge that Jesus is king. And then I go through to my bedroom and lie next to my wife who goes to bed early most nights because she's in pain. And I pray for her as well. Why? Not because my experience said yesterday God healed her. Because my Bible says God is a healer. And so... Our position has to determine our posture. I love big, tall guys like you. I, I, I'm jealous. I've spent most of my teenage years praying to be six foot. And, um, but you know, I get bummed when I see big guys. They're conscious of their heart and they start crunching over like this. I want to say to them, stand up, man. God made you six foot eight. Stand up and stand tall. Duck under the door. That's just wisdom. But, but, <laughs> but I feel like God's telling us, stand up, church. Stand up. Get on the front foot. How you know how I can say it? Because Jesus comes. He's speaking to the Sabbath. says, the law and the prophets were until John. Those were good. Hold on to those. Since then, I've come. And the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. And everyone forces his way into it. Everyone. All of us. Not just the preacher guy with faith. Not just the faith dealer who comes into town. No, everyone forces their way into it. That word is not a passive word. It's a word. Forces comes from biadzo. To force or to crowd oneself into. It's the lady who couldn't get to Jesus and she forced her way into Jesus. He's saying, I'm calling my disciples, I'm calling my sons and daughters to be of those who are on the front foot and they are postured to see great things. Postured. My position is to know him. How do we deal with our posture? How do we navigate and to get on the front foot? Do a couple of things. Number one, get to know God. Don't read seven books about healing. You will end up confused. Read seven years about God. Let him reveal who he is and then 
do the theology. I'm not mandating that for you. But I'm telling you, too many Christians say, oh, I'm going to take this guy's thing. No, understand, there's a lot of assumption, assumption sometimes. Get to know God as the one who heals and enjoy his presence. Number two, celebrate healing. I've stopped celebrating healing just in case I have to actually do it. No, no, no. Celebrate it. And we need to get better at this as a leadership. Or if we celebrate healing, then people might ask us to pray for them. Yeah, that's why the Bible said, go to the elders and the prayer of faith will make you well. Why? Because he wants the people at the front laying hands so that everybody lays hands, not so that it becomes an army one guy story. Have faith. Let faith rise up. You're sitting in a passive position. Let faith rise up and pull you out of passivity. That's why we're preaching this series. Matthew 9, Jesus, moved by compassion. Have compassion. You probably not, please don't make people your projects. Please, 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 please. This person's sick, so I'm going to experiment my faith on them. No, 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 no. You're not revealing Jesus. They might even get healed. But if they aren't on a journey to Jesus and he takes them on a journey to the Father, it's the wrong journey. Have compassion. Number five, be courageous. I don't like being that guy standing in an ICU ward praying for a dead body. I actually like people liking me. I like people thinking I'm not a weirdo pastor. I really do. I value it highly. But I love Jesus more. Far more. And I've got to have courage, and you do too. Number six. You've got to tackle the disappointment stories. Ah. <laughs> I have a lot of pain around this issue. But it can't throw me on any other posture than to get on the front foot and trust my king. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I'm a preacher guy. But you know why? Because I saw a deaf man healed. And the Bible says Jesus is a healer. He's also said he's the one I'm going to spend eternity with. Why would I want to get to eternity? And Jesus said, hey, you know, it's lucky you're here. But you didn't fully trust me, did you? Andrea Hughes died young. But she didn't walk into heaven going, hey, guys, what happened there? What happened? What happened there? You prayed. What, what happened there? And she got to heaven. She went, wow. Jesus. She turns to Paul. It's Jesus. Can you see him? I'm healthy. There's no lupus in my body. There's no pain in my joints. I don't need transfusions every week. She's not worried about why what happened happened. She's taken all the promise and a resounding gong to the nations of the world that Romans 28, 8, 28 God turns all things for the good of those who love him and trust him. All things. Oh, Mark, are you saying death? Are you saying sickness? Just let's start small. A little bit of cough and flu. Yes. Are you saying your wife's sickness? Yeah. I've seen my, life, my wife fall in love with Jesus. She navigates a journey of pain sometimes. Mark, you're saying death. Yeah. Why? Because of the position determines my posture. If 
because at the end of the story, there's a price. 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, who's the Apostle Paul? Remember, he's a great theologian. He loved Jesus, full of faith, saw miraculous and healings. He writes this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Oh, that's weird. Aren't we triumphalistic? Hashtag blessed. God's really with me when I'm poured out. No, no, no. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Wow, that's encouraging. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, on, on not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is seen is eternal. What is faith? It's just fixing your eyes. It's not seeing the healing. The healing is not in your hands, church. But faith is. To trust him. To keep crying out to him. Asking for things that aren't of this world. To come to our Father who art in heaven. Give us today, not tomorrow, today. There is a pushing and give us today. Give us today healing. So what happens when someone else in our church gets diagnosed with lupus? I just, I'm going to hang back a little bit. How do I know? Because I've seen pastors do it out of pain. I'm just going to hang. I'm going to distance myself a little bit. Of pain. I'm going to delegate this one, you know. I'm going to give another an opportunity. Or will we fast again like we did last time? Or we pray again like we did last time? We go to hospitals again? I'm, I really, I, I'm far more emotional here than I was outside. I apologize. But we've got to understand it's in God's nature to do miracles. It's not in my nature. It's in God's nature to call the dead out of their sickness and death. Jesus did that. It's not in my nature. And my journey is to become like him and so is yours. So our position is God is good and he is healer and he wants to heal. Our posture is one on the front foot determined by a Bible kingdom grid. And we have expectation that God will do things regardless of our experience. And our prize is Jesus. Eternity with him. Healed and whole. I'm 39 years old. Things are already falling apart. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Why? Because there's going to be an eternity. Well, I won't give a hoot about why or what. And I will be with Andrea Hughes in heaven worshiping my king. And it gives me such peace and courage and I don't care what the world thinks attitude because of who he is, my prize. I want to pray for us this morning. But before I pray for healing, because God wants to heal, I want to pray if, if, if you feel like your posture needs to change, and I'm going to stand up here because I'm the first one. Actually, the, the, the position has got to change your posture. If you feel like the position of God is changing your posture. Won't you stand with me? As God is dealing with us as a, as a people, please don't feel under pressure to stand. But I feel like God is speaking to us. And we can trust him for financial breakthrough, and I want that. We can trust him for, for, for opportunities and business. We can trust yes, but actually there's got to be the trust in for who he is. Healer. And I pray right now, won't you lift your hands to him? I pray, God, more than the passion of a zealous preacher, I pray, would Spirit of God, would you move in this place?
captivate our hearts again and move us from apathy maybe, from disappointment maybe, from despair even, into a front foot of trusting you and pushing in for that which is not of this world. Do it with us, I pray, God. Come, Spirit of God. Lord, a response to my emotions will last two hours, but a revelation of who you are will last a lifetime into eternity. Do it with us, I pray, God. And I know it's been a little longer service. While you stand, is there anyone sick here this morning? I don't want to work it up. If you're sick, won't you keep your hands up? If you're not sick, won't you put your hands down just for a minute? If you've got an area of sickness. See, we're a community of faith. It's not about the faith guy. Oh, Mark, that's what you paid to do. And the Bible says, actually, I want a community of faith. I want to pull them in. Can you reach out your hands and gather around these guys? If you've, if you've been staying, just those who trust, there's more that side, other side as well. Just can we get around these guys? And just in a simple moment, this doesn't need keyboard played. This doesn't need loud noise. Doesn't need pushing or shoving. It needs Jesus. These people need Jesus. Their bodies need Jesus. We stand right now, King. We put experience and disappointments aside and we choose to see you afresh and again. We place our trust in you, God, the healer, the perfecter. You are perfect, God. Your blood was perfect. So we stand this morning, weeks before Easter, we remember the perfection of your blood poured out and we say, God, move your hand again as you did. Move your hand again right now. Bring order. Bring order and peace, God. Peace and order. Where blood is out of order, bring peace and order, God. Where, where organs are out of order, peace and order, God. Where, where bodies are out of order, peace and order, God. Where there is a lack of order in bodies, God. I pray right now your peace and order come. Why? Because you are the Prince of Peace. That's who you are, God. So I pray heal right now, Spirit of God. I pray order right now. I think things that are illegitimate and should be not in, not in bodies, I pray be gone now. Be gone now. Healing come. We trust you, Jesus. We believe you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And I pray for us, God, let us see you. The way Andrea sees you now, God. The way those that have struggled with pain and yet pursue you within our community, the heroes of our faith, see you, God. I want to see you, God. The miracle working God.